Today on Building the Broncos, Carl and Nick analyzed the recent draft halls of the Broncos' divisional rivals, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Oakland-slash-Las Vegas Raiders, and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Building the Broncos. Welcome to Building the Broncos with your hosts, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler. Why, hello there, Broncos country. It is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing out there in Iowa? I'm doing pretty good. We skipped spring this year. It's going to be like 95 degrees this upcoming week, and it's storming on the weekend once again. So what can you do? But got a chance to go camping and kayaking and brewery hopping last weekend. So enjoying life. And kind of starting to get to the, the boring part of the offseason, unfortunately. So ge- gearing up for football coming back again. I'm already a little bit anxious for it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's always bittersweet this time because I love summer. But that also means no football. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. But no, I, I got to spend the week out in Colorado uh, with all of our, our great Bronco fans from out there that are listening. Got to go to Estes Park and do some some hiking. And I uh, loved it. Man, I, I told my wife it'd be really fun to move out to the mountains here sometime soon. So uh, w- we'll see what happens, but probably not. We like Kansas too. Yeah, everybody's trying to move out to Colorado. I can tell all the people listening to the podcast that are Colorado natives probably just groaned. They don't want people <laughs> moving out there. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Sorry. I'll stay in Kansas. I'll leave you alone. I mean, we might get a pass because the people love us. <laughs> But I hope Eric, so. Eric has to stay in Alaska and Chad has to stay in Utah. I think that's the only compromise. Okay. Okay. As long <laughs> as they'll accept us, that's what I'll take. Yeah, for sure. Well, we want you to know that the Building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the NFL draft, the offseason, building the team, all those kind of things. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll bring you fresh insight and analysis each and every week on every single episode. With scouting reports, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and of course, just some general banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddlePod and make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24 7 Sports and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners. So as a call to action, please go take time to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. So listeners, we have broke down the, the Broncos draft and undrafted players and Probably the most important thing we can also do beyond our own team is look at our division rivals because goal number one every single year is win your division. And what have the Broncos done to match up with the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders? Have they done enough to compete, to actually be there, to to be at the end, to make the playoffs, to have a home playoff game? As as we know, Mile High Stadium, we love that place rocking. You guys – out there, they get to go to those games. Man, we love that. We love listening to it on TV. But let's look at our rivals here today. And we're going to kind of do a – we're going to grade each pick, give a little bit of thought. We think it's a good pick, bad pick. Kind of see how it matches up with what the Broncos have. And and just kind of go through these players because we want to – like I said, we just want to break down our rivals and, and see can the Broncos beat them. So – Let's start with the Los Angeles Chargers. And I have to say, this very first pick they made, Nick, I about cried. Not happy tears. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, the Chargers added one of the more dynamic playmakers in the entire draft in Derwin James. I don't understand how he felt to the 17th overall pick. I know he's a safety, 
I know he's had some inconsistent tape, but he's a height, weight, speed freak on the back end that can play all across the the back seven. I mean, the dimebacker, cornerback, safety, I've seen him do it all. He's a, he's a much better athletic version of Cam Chancellor. I think he's much more fluid as an athlete. And while, you know, the Chargers could have probably gone offensive line or something like that, like there's talk that they were very interested in Mike McGlinchey. There was talk that they were interested in Josh Allen, et cetera, et cetera but they added one of the best defensive players in this class in Derwin James. And he's probably not going to be amazing year one because he still is a little bit raw. He did miss most of his sophomore year with an injury and it took him a little bit of time to get back into football form this season, but freak athlete guy brings a lot of energy and listening to him talk, listening to his coaches talk in one of the series in that Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah do, do as well. He sounds like a, a grade A person as well. So big for that Chargers locker room. It sounds like they, they need it there. And probably the the second best pick talent-wise overall, you know, not considering drafts a lot, but talent-wise overall of anybody else in the division besides Bradley Chubb to the Broncos. I, I can't disagree with any of that. He is going to be a great addition to that secondary. And I was looking on NFL.com. They had their – best units in the NFL and they broke down each unit and, and they had the Chargers secondary as the best secondary in football with the addition of Derwin James. Not sure. I completely agree with that because they always have injury concerns, but adding Derwin James to that group just makes them all the more deadly, especially when you consider the, the edge rushers that they have. That's uh, that's, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough defense this upcoming year. And there's a reason that a lot of people have the Chargers as the top team in the AFC West. That's why John Elway said the Chargers are the team to beat. They had a, a, some good draft picks that are going to be able to help day one for them. And I, I, I can't disagree with that. Now that the news that Hunter Henry went down, I think that's a huge, huge deal. I think he was an up-and-coming top five type tight end. So that, that'll be a big loss, but they still have plenty of weapons out there to, to work with for sure. Well, it definitely makes the, the AFC West much more wide open because, I mean, outside of Travis Kelsey, there aren't many good tight ends in division besides Hunter Henry. So now um, it's good and bad because I would have been interested in seeing Sue Cravens and what the Broncos defense would do trying to match up against Hunter Henry, but we're not going to get that. So... We'll see what happens, and with, especially with how Philip Rivers has utilized that tight end more and more. You know, it was that Mike McCoy offense where it became much more horizontal, thanks to Peyton Manning probably teaching Mike McCoy a thing or two about the passing schemes in the NFL today. But yeah, big loss for them. But back to the draft, I, I do like the Derwin James pick. I'd probably give it. I mean, considering where he went, I had him as a top ten player in the draft. He went seventeen overall, so I'll give that a solid A, and I think it makes that team much better year one, then he's probably going to be a, a good player there. And the Chargers haven't had a dynamic safety in the back since Eric Weddle's heyday. So it's a good pick for them and unfortunate overall for the Broncos because, you know, we don't we don't want these teams to make good picks and pick good people too. I don't want to have to cheer against Derwin James, and now it looks like I have to. Yeah. That was – I celebrated when the, the Raiders passed him over, and then to go see him go to the Chargers, I was like, ah, well, at least it's not the Raiders, but <laughs> – this is that second level nightmare of where he could go for sure for me. But let's keep moving on because we got a lot of picks to get through here today. And their next pick is Uchenna Nuoso, a linebacker from USC. And, and this was a guy I've talked about him quite a bit this off season because I, I got to scout him for when we did our, our bowl breakdown. I got to watch USC's defense. And first time I watched him, I was not as impressed as I thought I should be for what people were kind of saying about him. And then I went and watched him again. And it's amazing how a second time through can really change your opinion on a player that you see things that you didn't see before. It's like watching a movie over and over again. And all of a sudden you start picking up things that you just didn't notice before. And so again, I think this is a very solid pick. It's not one of my favorite picks just because I think he still has a lot of room to grow. I think he still has a he's a pretty raw player just because he was kind of a a jack of all trades kind of player where they'd be dropping him back in coverage, they'd have him trying to hold the edge, they'd have him get up after get after the quarterback. They just had him trying to do a lot of different things 
And I don't think he ever really mastered one thing, at least that I, I really saw. So he's a high upside kind of player, but he adds a lot of depth to their already great edge linebacker for, for the Chargers right there. So again, solid pick for them. I, I definitely would be giving that one probably a B, B plus. I am torn on the Uchenna Nwosu pick because I'm not sure how they're going to use him. He's a guy that I think he probably went a little earlier than I would have taken him. I thought he was a round three player. I did write him up on a pre-draft pro, uh, article that I worked on with some edge rushers because I said edge rusher was a low-key dark horse need for the Broncos going into the next season. And, well, they won up me and used the fifth overall pick on the position. But I watched Nwosu, and he's a guy that I'm not really sure what his role is going to be at the next level. He came to USC as a safety, and you can see that in his ability to play in space. I mean, he's pretty smooth in space, especially in zone coverage. But they had him also rushing the quarterback a lot. So is he going to be an edge? Is he going to be an off-ball guy? I don't think the Chargers have announced it yet. He might be a jack-of-all-traits, but he doesn't really dominate in any one area. So I'm interested to see what role they use him in, especially when you have Ingram and Bosa already on the outside there. You need more than two edge rushers, but still, I thought it was an interesting pick because I I, I don't know. I think I might like him better as an off-ball linebacker, given that he doesn't possess amazing traits for bending that corner. I mean, he's definitely raw as a pass rusher, and he would need time to work on the differences between an off-ball linebacker and an edge setter. So I give this pick a, a B-. I'm not in love with it, and I, I, it, I do like that the Chargers, well, I guess – from a non-Bronco fan perspective, I do like that the Chargers are loading up on defense, though, because they already have a pretty interesting offense overall. And with those two edge rushers, you get a chance to build around a pretty solid defense. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that all makes sense. It, it will be interesting to see how they plan to use him for sure. Well, in the round, round three, pick 20, or number 84 overall, they went with Justin Jones, a teammate of Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State. What did you think of this pick? I think this is about right. Justin Jones was probably the third most talented guy on that defensive line this season for the Wolfpack between Chubb and Hill, but he's got some potential. I've heard some scouts compare Justin Jones to Malik Jackson, which is an interesting one. And I, again, more defense, more defensive front for the Chargers. I think Jones is going to be a solid player. He, He doesn't test he didn't test extremely well i wonder how much of an athletic ceiling he has but he's a solid player and at worst you're getting a solid rotational kind of maybe a lower level top defensive lineman but i think he can develop into a starter and be a solid player for them and you need a lot of bodies up front so taking defensive front talent is something i'm always a big proponent of well if you look at the the weakness of that chargers defense last year it really was up the middle of that defense I mean, they, they were one of the, the worst rush defenses and just they, they needed to add to, to that front seven for sure. So Nuoso, Jones, both picks make sense for, for what they were needing on that defense. And finally, with the Chargers' last third-round pick, they selected strong safety slash dimebacker slash rover slash bandit, whatever you want to call the position, Kaiser White from West Virginia. And I really like Kaiser White. I was a big proponent of him in the draft process. I like how he plays. He's instinctual. He tackles really well. But he somewhat struggles sometimes when he's asked to play against tight ends or running backs in space, which is surprising for a safety. You know, that's you'd think that would be a strength of his. Compared to other safeties, it's not really great for him. He's not a great athlete in space compared to a strong safety or free safety. He honestly tested more like a linebacker. So, I mean, that's that's weird for the Chargers, I think, especially since you already took Derwin James. You already have a bunch of strong safety types on the team. I mean, they took Jatavis Brown a few years ago from Akron, who profiles almost exactly the same. So, interesting pick. They doubled up there on the strong safety, and I'm not a huge fan of it, but four defensive picks with the first four selections. So, they definitely wanted to get better on the defense, faster, younger, cheaper, and they did that. Round five, six, and seven, they decided to to switch it up, get back to the offense here a little bit. And now this is a guy I'm, I'm guessing you've watched quite a bit because, well, you love the quarterback that played with this guy. And Scott Quisenberry, the center for U- UCLA. And it, it amazes me how much people respected the UCLA offensive line when you saw Josh Rosen taking hit after hit after hit. So was the problem – 
that the other positions were just not great and Quisenberry and Miller were, were great players, or is it that these guys were just not that great either? Well, Quisenberry is the fifth pick or fifth round pick, so he's not considered very high, but he could develop into something. Spoke with him at the combine. He seemed like an intelligent, nice kid. So he's got that going for him. He t- I think he tested pretty well as well, but his tape is kind of hit or miss. He doesn't always play with great block sustaining ability. You know, he can get to his spot, but when he makes contact with the defender, they can get off him and move him around pretty easily. So technique-wise and strength and training in the NFL scale are going to be big for him. Probably more of a pure center in the NFL. I'm not sure he's going to be great for the power scheme, but center's a position where you can get away with a not an amazing athlete, not an amazing size guy, as long as they're playing with intelligence and we make those line checks and everything. So he, I, we're not going to see much of Questenberry year one. But year two, year three, he might develop into a starter for them, especially because Pouncey, who the Chargers just obtained to play center, is not going to be a long-term answer for them. So the Chargers got some interesting names on that interior offensive line this year. And Dan Feeney, I think he was a third-round pick last year from Indiana, and your boy Forrest Lamp. So another guy that's going to help add some talent to that interior offensive line for the Chargers and hopefully keep well not again i keep saying hopefully i don't really i don't want philip rivers to get hurt but from a team building standpoint you're hoping that adding that pick and those two picks last season can help solidify the offensive line for the chargers something that's been an issue for them for a while even though philip rivers is one of the better guys in the pocket getting the ball out quickly and maneuvering in tight spaces yeah i'm with you there i think he's a good depth guy kind of like the broncos with sam jones where you need him to develop for a year and then maybe he becomes something. You're just going to have to kind of wait and see how they develop. I was reading a story the other day about, uh, I think it was a coach that was saying they knew that a second-round pick player was not going to make it the second practice of the offseason. And so these guys, they have a a big opportunity. I mean, right now we have OTAs going on to to make a big impact and to to make an impression on these coaches. And I'd love – Right now, I mean, I know we're getting a little off topic here. I am, sorry. It's me that's getting off topic. But to hear some of the veterans praising the Bronco rookies, I haven't heard that as much in the past. So to to hear them really talking them up. And uh, I think, who was it that was really struggling to say Josie Jewell's name? Demata Pecco. Yeah, Pecco was having a a heck of a time with that. So, yeah, well, we'll see how that happens. But, again, these these guys, they got a lot to, to prove out there. And especially these these late round guys, because they're just kind of they got to go out there and prove it even more. The the first, second, third round guys usually get a lot more chances. But that brings us here to their sixth round pick and Dylan Cantrell, wide receiver of Texas Tech. And and this is a guy I watched quite a bit on. And I mean, the, again, there's a reason that they're falling this far in the draft. He's got good hands, pretty good body control, but he's not a breakaway receiver. He's not a guy that's going to burn you deep. He's just going to be a he's going to be a possession receiver. I think he's going to be more of a special teams kind of guy. One because if I'm being honest, the Chargers do have pretty good depth at the wide receiver position. I mean, their their top three guys are actually pretty good receivers. But Kentrell, I, I don't know. He's just kind of a back end special teams kind of guy is what I see right now, and I don't really see a huge ceiling for him. I don't see kind of like I'm just thinking of. of Hamilton for the Broncos. I see a much higher ceiling, but again, he was a fourth round pick compared to a sixth round pick, but just a, an all right player, good depth player, I guess you could say. And then seventh round, they took Justin Jackson running back of Northwestern. This is, this is your, your conference, the big 10. And Justin Jackson was one of the most productive running backs in college football, at least career wise. Do you think he has much of a role of being that seventh round pick? Uh, probably he'll have some, but he's going to have to fight for a spot. I like Justin Jackson. He's a guy who's been productive at Northwestern behind what's not a great offensive line. He has had some okay quarterback play and Fitzgerald's a decent schemer, but he's a guy that's probably, I mean, he's playing behind Melvin Gordon and they have other guys as well that they like on that team. So I'm thinking he probably will make the roster, but I'm not expecting much besides like a running back three special teams, you know, small contributor. Right. He's a he's a high effort guy, but I don't think he's that high ceiling. He's going to turn into something special kind of guy. And those high effort guys, they, they work hard and they seem to find themselves on the roster. I, I always think of uh, of the other ball, not Monty ball, but uh, 
Lance. The other, Lance Ball, there it is. And he was a high effort guy. He wasn't a great player, but coaches kept bringing him on because they're like, hey, this guy gives full effort every single day. And that's kind of what I see with Justin Jackson. Yeah, I can't disagree. And I didn't watch much Dylan Control. I know that he was kind of a the possession receiver for the Texas Tech Red Raiders compared to Kiki Coutier, who is more of the explosive down the field guy. And I got a chance to watch some Kiki, but not so much Dylan Control. So I'm glad that you you were on the ball there, Mr. Wide Receiver. <laughs> I had had to get my wide receiver in. Yeah. No, he, he like I said, he was okay. Nothing nothing that makes me scared of the the Chargers and their wide receiver depth just because they added him kind of thing. But before we move on to the Raiders, I guess let's just look at this overall draft. One, what do you think that they're going to bring your one? And and two here, I guess what would be an overall grade that you would give this kind of draft for them? I give it a B minus. Nothing crazy good about it. And I'm a tough grader. So like I'm graded on a bell curve. So half or we're going to have more C's than A's and everything. Most people are going to be going towards the mean. So I'm going to give this one a B minus. Derwin James is the best pick. The Nuosa one is meh. Jones is solid. After that, it's guys that are depth. And you don't, I mean, maybe it's because we're looking after the Broncos selections, but only, what is it, six picks? Come on. So small. Such a small class. Nah, I'm just giving them a hard time. But I, I think it's a solid one. Derwin James is obviously the guy who's going to have a big year one impact. I'm curious to see how they use him. Is it going to be a single high guy? I mean, because they don't really have a true free safety on that defense right now. So he maybe, I mean, he has the athleticism for it. Although I like him more closer to the line of scrimmage as a strong safety dimebacker type. Numosu, probably just a special teams guy year one. And Jones, I could see Jones rotating in and out. But the rest of these guys, probably not huge year one impact. But I mean, that's that's the case for most rookie classes. I mean, what the Saints did last year probably set a unrealistic standard for what teams expect from their year one rookie contributions. Normally you're going to see what kind of like the Broncos had last year, where most of the guys are just getting their feet wet and getting in there slowly. And then year two, year three, year four is when you start to see them make a bigger impact. How much did this draft change your opinion of the chargers heading into 2018? Didn't really change my opinion that much. I just think that they added another playmaker and leader on that defense, which is, and potentially a culture changer as well. So that was the big thing, but it's not really a, a huge dynamic shifting thing, especially because once again, the chargers are going to charger and they just had a serious injury before preseason even starts. So it's, they're cursed, man. I don't know what it is. They're cursed. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's the one thing you can always count on with the chargers is that they will suffer terrible injuries. They will start out terrible, bring back some promise at the end of the season for the next season and then start out terrible again. Yeah. It just seems to be their pattern every year, every single year. It doesn't matter what coach they have or staff or whatever, just seems to be the same. So I'm with you. This draft doesn't really move the needle a whole lot for me. Duran James, yes, that was an A-plus pick for them. But the rest of the draft, I'm not seeing impact players. And I, I just think that they needed a little bit more, especially with Hunter Henry now, especially gone. We'll just have to kind of see it. They're really going to have to depend on last year's class to really step up come back from injuries like Lamb or Lamp and uh, and really be huge contributors for that team. So solid draft, nothing that really scares me too much. But that leads us then to the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden's first draft with the Raiders since, well, he signed his 10-year contract. And this was a, an interesting first draft. I guess is the, I don't, I don't know what better way to say it. One that was kind of shocking at times of what's going on. I don't know where they're going. I don't know how they're trying to build this team. And it just seemed like there was a lot of chaos in that front office of knowing exactly how to build their board. Would you agree with that? Well, there was reports that they had two different boards that they were trying to pick from at the same time. So it sounds like chaos. And I'm going to put, put on your tinfoil hat here, but with all these moves the Raiders are making, and, you know, John Gruden's huge deal guaranteed 100% over 10 years, even if he's fired. I think he's trying to get himself back in the booth ASAP. I think he just wanted to make that money and then get out because <laughs> all the moves the Raiders have done this season are absolutely head scratchers to me. Like, I, I I don't get it. I almost feel bad for Derek Carr. Like, I, you know, it's easy to hate Phillip Rivers and Derek Carr, but both of them seem like smart, nice guys. So I, I pull for good people and they both seem like good people, Like even if it 
uh, besides Tom Brady, he might seem like a good person, but screw that guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's, it's uh, this was a bizarre draft and they have some serious upside. A lot of these picks, huge, huge upside, but this is probably the most boomer bust draft class this season. And in recent memory, probably one of the more boomer bust draft classes. Well, let's start there. They, they traded back in the first round with Arizona so that they could get their quarterback and, and they go for a guy we talked about him for the a month leading up to the draft. We'd heard that people were actually putting a first round grade on this guy. And every one of us here at Mile High Huddle were going, how? How in the world, if you watch the tape of this guy, is he a first round talent? Now, yes, he tested off the charts, but again, not a great player on the field. And that is Colton Miller, offensive tackle for UCLA. And again, that, that offensive line that just had Josh Rosen running for his life, having to make quick decisions, which, I mean, maybe that actually helped him to better develop for the NFL, but not great for taking the beating that he did. And so Colton Miller, like you said, he's one of those players, he's very, very raw, but has huge upside because he has the athletic profile that you're really looking for for a great offensive tackle. What do you, what do you think you're one? Is he going to actually start? There's some talk that Donald Penn might be released, so he, he might have to start, which makes me laugh because he's going to have to go against Trevor Miller. Colt Miller, like you hit the nail on the head, he's huge. I think he measured over 6'8 and tested very well athletically. Honestly, could have been a power forward with how well he tested. But his technique and his mentality are just really lacking. His footwork, he puts himself in a negative situation almost every single pass set because he takes a false step forward, and that totally, you know, shaves off half a second about when he needs to get into position. So that's a big deal. And he, he doesn't, he just plays kind of soft. I don't know. That's not really there as a run blocker. He doesn't really look to finish guys and he doesn't really sustain blocks very well. You know, you can talk about Garrett Bowles, you know, being raw, maybe more athlete than football player right now, but Garrett Bowles has the mentality you look for on the offensive line. And I just, I don't see that from Colton Miller. So I think the Raiders were all set to take one of Roquan Smith or Mike McGlinchey if they were there when the Raiders were picking at 10 and both of those players went eight and nine. So the Raiders panicked, traded back and then took the, their next best offensive tackle on the board in Colton Miller. So this is a start. It kicks off the really bizarre draft the Raiders had. So I, I don't know. I don't really like the pick. I probably, I had Colton Miller as a, a day two player just because he does have upside. He does have size, but he just lacks that run blocking, that strength, and just the technique that you need from those guys. And he might never correct it. I mean, to relearn that footwork and get that correct first step, correct that first step, it's not going to be easy, especially when you have Tom Cable as your offensive line coach, a guy who's brought in numerous raw upside athletes for offensive line, whether it's the Seattle most recently, and just failed time and time again. So Bad pick doesn't make sense to me, and I, I'm happy with it because I really don't like the Raiders. Yeah, this is – I honestly maybe cheered louder for the Colton Miller pick than I did the Bradley Chubb pick. <laughs> I, I think the uh, – I was watching with a friend the first round, and I think their, their neighbor, neighbor wasn't very happy with how loud I was yelling when Colton Miller's name popped up there. But it's true. I mean, you want this guy starting year one. Because either Von Miller or Bradley Chubb are going to be destroying this guy on a regular basis. And Derek Carr, with his propensity for getting hurt, I don't see Colton Miller helping with that. I think he's going to get that quarterback hit a lot. Like you said, I, Derek Carr seems like one of the nice guys of the league. I have a hard time hating him as well. There, there's other players I can hate at the Raiders, no problem. And Bruce Urban is one I just yep. can't stand. And... uh enjoy that they signed him to that big contract and he hasn't really done a whole lot for him. (laughs) But yeah, it's one of those picks. I I don't know. You're really depending a lot on your coaching staff and especially with the offensive line where we haven't seen guys develop very quickly because they just don't get the reps in the NFL. When they cut down those practices with the last CBA, these guys just don't get that opportunity to really turn into something right away. You don't get to see the the guys that day one step on the field and don't give up a sack for the entire season, their rookie year. That just doesn't happen anymore. And so 
like I said, kind of a crazy pick. And that goes for their second round pick, too. And P.J. Hall, defensive tackle of Sam Houston State. And, and you're a trench guy. How shocked were you when this pick came up? Really shocked. Really shocked. Sam Hall, or P.J. Hall, had a very productive career at Sam Houston State. He's blocked a number of kicks. But he's small, and he didn't test otherworldly. And his tape is maddeningly inconsistent. I mean, a lot of the times he ends up on the ground if he doesn't win a th- off his initial pass rush. So I'm, I was confused about this pick. I thought there were other interior defensive linemen on the board that were better. I mean, heck, Justin Jones in the third round, I'd have taken him before I would have taken PJ Hall, but it's another boomer bus pick. He's got a ways to go. He's going to have to really show off that athleticism, that burst that he does show on tape because I don't know how much stronger or how much stronger he can get with this frame. Cause he's just not, he's not a very big kid. And the second overall pick, a mid-second round pick, I I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was not a great pick by the Raiders there. And it again, another head scratching pick on a upside guy that just didn't really show it. You know, a lot of questions with him. Uh, yeah, I can't disagree. I, I watched quite a bit of him and and there are those times that you sit there and say, Wow, that was a quick move. That was really nice for him to get into the backfield. And then other times, like you said, he just gets if if his initial rush doesn't get there, he just doesn't have much. And I also noticed he's not very good with his awareness. I saw a couple plays where he beat his, his blocker, but then he had no clue where the ball was. So he just kind of stopped in the backfield and tried to locate the football. And I'm just going, what in the world? I mean, he's standing right next to the quarterback who has the football and he just stopped. I, I don't know what the heck that was. So uh, he's got a kind of like Colton Miller, long ways to go. And I don't think he has the ceiling for a second round pick that you're really hoping for. I mean, he's, he's a decent prospect, but I don't, like I said, there's other guys I would have taken at the same position before him. And or other positions. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the Raiders, pretty much any position on defense, they needed somebody. The, their whole defense, other than the Mac, is pretty subpar. Yeah. I, I can't think of any other position where I'm sitting there saying, oh, yeah, they're pretty set. No, they, Maybe they need safety. Yeah, but there, there's a couple of them that are getting up there in age. A lot of questions because they had took uh, Melifonmu last year and they have Carl Joseph. Oh, that's true. They do have both of those two young guys. But yeah. yeah, maybe that position. But really, neither of those guys. Carl Joseph has kind of proven himself, but he hasn't really. He's not been great. Right. And then so, Melifonmu is just an athlete at this point. Right, exactly. But then again, we go third round, pick number one. Brandon Parker, offensive tackle, North Carolina A and A and T. There we go. Got it out there. Again, <laughs> a guy that's very raw, played at a smaller school, and dominated at the smaller school. But I know I saw him at the at the Senior Bowl, and I think he was one of the more least impressive tackles. I mean, there wasn't anything that just made me go, "Oh my gosh, he's just downright terrible." But there wasn't anything that stuck out that made me say, okay, this guy has something either. Just kind of a, yeah, we'll see what happens kind of player. I, I don't know. I just, I really was not very impressed. I, I liked your guy that actually went undrafted more than I did Brandon Parker. I was going to say, I did some work on the smaller school tackles because a fair amount of tackles actually in the league come out of those smaller schools because they developed later or something like that or they're basketball convert or anything like that. And Brandon Parker, he did flash some, but he just his tape is so stiff and his pad level is horrible and he plays rigidly. And I just don't know if he's ever going to have it. He has great size. Again, they're drafting some monsters in terms of length and height, but he's very stiff. And when he blocks, he just like kind of straight up like a board. So solid athlete. He's going to take some time to groom into something. And again, Tom Cable is going to be the guy that grooms him into a starter. I'll take no for 500. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't see it happening. So again, like I even heard Brandon Parker's people were like shocked when he was drafted because they thought he was going to go around or a date three. So really bizarre. These first three picks for the Raiders, probably some of the most bizarre, not great drafting in the first three picks of anybody in the draft this year. Right. I, I don't know if we're talking about year one impact. I don't know how much any of these guys are a great impact for their team. Colton Miller might be forced into starting just because he's a first round pick and they need somebody at that right tackle spot or left tackle spot. If Penn is cut, 
And PJ Hall, he'll be part of the rotation, but I don't see him being a starter day one. And Parker, I think he'll be at that swing tackle from the very beginning and then maybe develop into something. But it, it's just, yeah, for having pick four picks in the first 87 picks, I'm not sure that they got much day one impact out of all these picks. And that kind of leads us to the next guy who maybe is the actual big impact player day one for them in Arden Key, a defensive end linebacker from, from LSU. And this is a guy that was a preseason top 10 pick. Thought to be the, the best pass rusher in all of college football. And now he, he fell to the third round here. What, what all happened with him? Why, why did he make it clear to here instead of being a top 10 pick? Well, there's a lot of questions with him on and off the field. I mean, last year he missed LSU spring football due to having some sort of issue where he needed to leave the football program. There's a lot of talk that his character is not the best. There's questions about his work ethic, his desire to play football. And then on the field, I mean, maddeningly, maddeningly inconsistent. Not a great run stopper. He has great length, but his body type, I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to set the edge very well. He's long, but if you run at him, he can get blown over. Very good bend for his size, pretty good burst for his size, but really skinny. I mean, they talked like he was playing up to 270 this year at LSU. I don't buy it. He played at like 235, 245 his sophomore season. It was more effective, but and he showed up at the combine and weighed really light and tested really poorly. So, and also did it hurt? He didn't interview very well. So a lot of questions with him, character on the field, work ethic, everything like that, that really matters. And that led him falling. That said his flashes on tape are amazing. His bend, his ability to turn the corner is really good, especially considering his length and size, kind of little Leonard Floyd like there, not as bursty, maybe a little bit more bendy than Leonard Floyd. Yeah. He's a, he's an interesting guy. He's one that wouldn't be surprised me if he ends up, turn it into a really good edge rusher in the league or if he's out of the league in four years. It might be sooner than that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like I said, those off field issues just kept him very, very inconsistent this last year and on field issues as well. And a lot of times those things begin to follow you, not just from college football to the NFL, but throughout life. And so we're just gonna have to see how he handles all of that and handles all the new money and everything else that's thrown at him. But I don't know. Like I said, it's just kind of a boom or bust. A lot of these picks, very boom or bust. It could be an A plus or an F minus. This is one of the hardest drafts to to grade, in my opinion, because if you are if you're a Raiders fan, you're looking at this going, oh my gosh, we got tons of upside and all these guys. And if you're not a Raiders fan, you're going, oh my gosh, these guys probably don't show up until year two, three, four of their contract. So just kind of a matter of, of how you're looking at this. But this is actually a- after this pick, after Arden Key, this is where I felt like they kind of calmed down a little bit and yeah. started taking some players that were closer to where you thought they'd maybe be going. And they started in the fourth round with Nick Nelson, cornerback from Wisconsin. And I thought that was a decent pick. I, I thought he showed pretty well on the tape. Nothing spectacular, but but decent. And for a fourth round pick, I could see him being a, an impact player. At some point, I know he's healing from his injury right now. So that, that's a little bit of why he fell in this draft. But yeah, I, a player I actually was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's the guy that he's a little bit short and he's not a great athlete. That's why he's fell to the top of the fourth round on top of the meniscus injury. But he's solid. He tackles really well. And I think he's got a spot being a cornerback three or four in the league. To, assuming he comes back healthy. He's a transfer from Hawaii, played this year at Wisconsin. Pretty good ball skills, good run support, you know, no issue coming up. While he is a little bit shorter, he's compact, kind of almost looks a little bit like a, a smaller running back out there at cornerback position. You know, I think he was like 5'10, 205, 210 pounds. So that's, I mean, that's running back size. So a good pick here if he comes back from injury and probably the their safest pick so far of this entire draft. Well, then that comes to their first pick in, in round five and <laughs> another really big name player, just like Arden Key, but fell for, for different reasons in Mar- Maurice Hurst, defensive tackle of Mi- Michigan. And at the combine, pretty much every team was sitting there saying, we're not going to touch this guy. Came back that he had some kind of heart issue. And I mean, he went from possible first round pick to, to the fifth round. 
There's a lot of teams that really took this guy off their board, didn't want to take any kind of chance of, of this, his heart issue showing up. But the Raiders here take another big risk. They, they take another big swing, see if they can hit a home run. And, but it's one that I think does actually make sense. They needed a three-tech. They needed a guy that can get after the quarterback plus get after the run. They need that high-energy guy to really be in the, the trenches, working hard. And a guy that, I mean, he's NFL ready. He has some moves. He has some ability. I mean, I think he fits well with what they need right now. But again, when does that hard issue show up, if it ever shows up? Are there other issues that, that could really hinder his ability to have an NFL career? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, there, there's a lot of teams that passed on this guy or took him completely off their board. Do you think the Raiders are going to get another boom player here or bust? Well, it's hard to say because I'm not a medical expert on the heart. I do. I mean, I guess like you could say I'm somewhat a medical expert, but on the heart, not so much. And I didn't get examined Maurice Hurst. So who knows? I think he was somewhat overdrafted or overdrafted, overhyped by some in the media coming into the draft. I've always thought that the people who were saying that he was a top 15 pick were wrong. I thought he was a back end of the first round, top of the second type of player at defensive tackle just because he's inconsistent. He plays with solid leverage, but I think he's a little bit smaller, doesn't have an amazing burst, and I think he's pretty limited to that 4-3, 3-tech. But fifth round, if he plays how his tape showed and he can stay healthy, this, I mean, this is honestly their highest rated player in the draft, in my opinion. Like on my board, taking the heart condition out of it, this would be their highest rated player. If you took Hurst in the first, Colt Miller in the second, and then Arden Key the third pick, that would look about normal. But you can't overlook the heart issue, and that's a big thing. I mean, there's some talk that teams were concerned he could serious, like he could pass away on the football field due to strain and everything. So scary pick, one that I probably wouldn't have made. But again, this is the most boomer bust draft class of the entire year of any NFL team. So might as well go with the, one of the most boomer bust players in the class. There you go. Well, then they decided to fill their, their punter position with Marquette King trading to the Broncos or becoming a trader. I guess if you listen to Raiders fans, a tradee tradee, there you go. <laughs> and joining the good side, the light side, but they decided to, to draft the punter from Florida in Johnny Townsend. And honestly, this was one of the better punting draft classes I've seen in a while, which is kind of weird because you don't talk about punters very often, but there's a couple really good ones in this, this draft. And, and this is a pick that made sense. They had a lot of draft picks. And at this point, you can kind of take a chance and fill this, that position with a cheap option. So th- this is – I know most people say don't draft a punter because you can get a guy off the street and or undrafted ranks, whatever you want to call it, and, and they can come in and produce. But if you have this many picks and you got a guy that can really help out, I think punter is an underrated position at times. I mean, we saw with the Broncos last year, their guy couldn't get it done, not on a consistent basis. And, and so that really cost them in some games and field position battles. So I, I don't mind this pick. I, I think it's a decent one for him. I mean, it's still punter, so maybe they could have waited and got him in the sixth round kind of thing. But, hey, they fill a position, and it's cheap. Makes some sense. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't watch many punters this year, so I don't really have too much of a comment on it. I'm fine drafting a punter. The thing is, you just shouldn't trade up for a kicker or a punter. So we'll see about it. But I think I'm pretty sure that King will end up being a better player this season than Townsend. So if anybody wants to make that bet with me, at me on Twitter. <laughs> all right well sixth round they took a teammate and fellow linebacker from washington as that of what the broncos drafted and they took azim victor and and this is a guy again lots of off the field issues high risk but he's a high energy player he's a guy that, that made quite a few plays there for washington's defense kind of cleaned up a lot of things when their defensive line uh, took on a lot of blocks and, and allowed their linebackers just to fly to the ball. And, but he was kind of an inconsistent player from what I saw on tape. Is that what you kind of got to? Yeah, very inconsistent mentally and just 
making the right reads, the tackles. I mean, he just, he flashed them. I remember last season before he was injured, there was some talk that maybe he was a day two linebacker and came back this season, didn't play as well, had some off the field concerns and fell to the sixth round. So, I mean, just, I'd, he'll probably be a special teams contributor, but again, another guy that has some character questions and could be out of the league in, you know, even before the season starts, so he doesn't make the roster because sometimes those guys, even if they do have talent, the the headache doesn't match it. You got to be a supreme talent to, for teams to put up with you as a headache. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. Well, then their final pick in the seventh round. This is a wide receiver that you actually cued me into to watch, and that is Marcel Aitman, wide receiver of Oklahoma State. And I remember you were a pretty big fan of him early on in the process. Yeah, my wide receiver takes were not ideal this year. I'll just be honest. <laughs> He's a good body guy, got good ability to attack the football and everything, but he has zero, really zero ability to separate. And that showed at the senior bowl and it showed at the combine. So, and I don't know because of his lack of downfield speed, how much he's going to contribute as a special teamer either. So he fell probably, probably about this. I mean, it's a good pick. I wouldn't have been surprised if he went anywhere from the fifth or seventh round, but probably a guy that, gosh, I don't even know if he'll make the roster. They have a lot of wide receivers at Oakland, don't they? Like a lot. They brought in they a bunch do. too. Maybe he's a practice squad eligible kind of guy. Yeah, probably. Yeah, his best role is going to be a goal line specialist where you just throw it up and let this guy out jump the guy that's defending him. I mean, that's that was one of his best things at Oklahoma State was they could just throw it up and this guy was going to go up there and catch it. He has great hands. He has great body control. But like you said, he can get very, very little separation. So for a seventh round pick, I, I can't argue with it because I, I like him as a receiver. And like I said, anywhere from the fifth round on, he would have made sense for a lot of teams. So to get him in the seventh round makes a lot of sense for the Raiders. But now looking at this entire draft class, I know it's very hard to grade this group because it's just all over the place. But th- there's a lot of people out there saying that this was one of the three worst drafts in and this past draft. Would you agree with that take? Yeah, I give them a solid D. It was not a great class, maybe even a D minus, but you, you have a potentially starting edge rusher in Arden Key and a potentially good interior pass rusher in Hurst, and maybe one of those tackles works out. So there, there's, some, there's some ability that this turns out to be a good class. I just think that there's such a high probability that a lot of these guys bust that we could look at back at this class in a few years and be like, wow, that really nerfed the Raiders. And they kind of started on their downward trend back into the dumpster after that. Yeah, I'm with you. They, it's one of those when you can celebrate how one of your rivals does in the draft, you know, it was a bad draft. And I, I celebrated a lot of these picks. Now there was others that had me a little bit nervous, like Arden Key, Maurice Hurst, even Colton Miller has me a little bit nervous that maybe in a year or two he could develop into something. But at the same time, the odds of that are, are not good in their favor. Arden Key, the idea that he could stay clean off the field and consistently produce on the field, not high. Colton Miller, like you said, he has a bad step. He's got to redo his entire footwork as an offensive tackle. And with as few reps as they get, I just have a hard time seeing him change that anytime soon. So I I just, I'm with you. I can't give this a a good grade. I can't see much year one production. I can't see this being what helps get them over the top for winning the division. There's just nothing about this draft that makes me nervous for the Broncos. None of these players make me sit there and say, oh my gosh, the Broncos really needed to fix this position because this guy's going to dominate them. Duran James, at least for the Chargers, I feel like he's a guy that could really dominate the Broncos, really make life very difficult for them. I can't see that with anything the Raiders did. Yeah, I can't disagree. And we also should at least mention that the Raiders traded a seventh-round conditional pick for Christian Hackenberg. So the boomer bust continues. Even once the draft is over, they're still doing that. Yeah, John Gruden had a first-round grade on him. Couldn't believe that he would make it out of the first round because he did his Gruden camp or whatever, Gruden quarterback camp, and loved Hackenberg. So the, the trade makes sense, I guess, in that sense. But Hackenberg, can you fix him at this point? I I, I don't think so. Honestly, I've, I can't believe 
the Texans head coach didn't trade for him. I feel like that's probably the only place that I would have been okay with him going to and thinking like, okay, maybe he has a chance. But now, not with the Raiders. He's probably, I mean, now they have two jerks. No, not jerks, but two of the two of the quarterbacks that some people thought were going to be great that ended up not being so great in Connor Cook and Christian Hackenberg. So interesting for sure. Not a great draft class though. So pretty funny. I think I, I enjoy that the Raiders are heading back to being potentially a laughing stock. I was not a fan of them being more celebrated. You know, I, the Raider fans go back to your hole. <laughs> Don't you know where your home is, Paul? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm with you. It was kind of nice to see them in the the dumpster with the the Browns for the last 15 years, pretty much. Yeah, that's where they belong. Although the Dumpster stakes, like when we were just smashing them, those games didn't just didn't feel the same. Didn't have that hate. Denver, Oakland, that needs hate, at least in my opinion. And we still have a bit to get to, but first we want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, well, the last team we need to talk about here is the Kansas City Chiefs, and they also only had six picks this year. No first-round pick because they traded it when they moved up for this year's starter, Patrick Mahomes. So honestly, even before we get into this Chiefs class, the biggest thing about this class being a success or failure it comes on Patrick Mahomes' shoulder. They gave up that first-round pick for him. So if he's a success, I I know he's not a part of this class, but I, I'm going to carry the transitive property here. If Patrick Mahomes goes on to be a legit franchise-starting quarterback that the Chiefs can have for a decade, then automatically so you can you can include that as the first-round pick. But after that, it's kind of a, an up-and-down class. It was an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I did read today that Patrick Mahomes did not have a good first day of practice there, not first day, but practice at OTAs. He went four for 15 with a couple interceptions today. Mm. So, I mean, take that what you will. It's OTAs. There's going to be some good days and bad days, but uh, he's probably showing that he's got that rookie spot right now. (laughs) He's going to have some bad days. He's going to have some good days. And, but you're right. He's going to make or break how these, this last draft and, and the one before that, how they're going to be viewed by the NFL. Do you get your franchise quarterback? It doesn't matter what you trade to get him. You take that, you take that to the bank, but, but looking at the picks that they actually did make here round two, pick 14, they went with Breland speaks defensive end of Ole Miss. And I talked to some chiefs fans about this draft and none of them were all that excited, <laughs> which is always a good sign when, when they're not that excited. But they felt like Breland Speaks kind of fits that mold of they like those hybrid players that can play the defensive end in the 3-4, but also be an outside linebacker, kind of be that mix and match, but not really great at either one. And they just they weren't very happy about it. And I was kind of going, okay, that's great. That's what I like to hear. So. I mean, it's good that they're adding to their their front seven because they need to. They have some guys that have retired or left or Tamba Hali. Uh, you know, they're just they're needing to rebuild this whole entire defensive unit. And I mean, they showed that by taking all defensive players this year with their six picks. But I guess it's it's one of those drafts I just kind of went meh with every one of their picks. There wasn't anything that really stuck out big time. And it started with Breland Speaks, where I understand the pick. But it wasn't anything that just made me again jump out of my seat going, oh no, we gotta deal with that guy. Yeah. Yeah, the first pick, I think they went a little bit early with him, but he's an interesting interior pass rusher. I feel like everybody kind of went with a pass rusher second round besides the Broncos this year. They already got their guy Bradley Chubb round one. But in the AFC West, we feel like a lot of defensive front talk. And we're gonna keep doing it here with the Chiefs. They took Breland Speaks from Old Miss, kind of a, a jackknife kind of player, a tweener, good pass rusher. Raw doesn't have a ma- amazing size, but has upside to be a pretty good interior pass rusher, but didn't really show that consistently at Ole Miss. So we're going to have to see with that. I think he probably went around early, but he does have some athletic upside and tools there. And I, I get the pick. I feel like the Chiefs, I mean, they took Tano Passanio last year, a guy that was also raw, 
all things considered, well, very raw. And they, I think he was a second round pick as well. So continuing that, adding more defensive front power. And then the third round pick, they went back to the defensive front and took kind of the opposite. Derek Nottie, a guy who does not have the, the athletic upside of Speaks, but is a plug guy, very stout at the point of attack, never really going to be much of a pass rusher, but he can control his lane. And I don't know how much better he'll get, but he's going to be a solid contributor. I have no doubt in that for any team. And unfortunately for the chiefs going forward. I remember two drafts ago when there was kind of rumors that he might be coming out. I remember you kind of send me some videos saying, Hey, you need to watch this guy because yeah. he's got, got some skills. Yeah. And I had him going exactly where he went to. He was a comp or actually I had him going a little later last season. I had him as a third round comp pick. I just thought that he was potentially one of the better nose tackles in this class. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's where he fits. He's going to be a, a decent run defender for him, but he's one of those, I think he has a high floor, but not that high of a ceiling. I, I just don't know how much more they can maximize out of him. But again, that's something they needed. They need in, those interior guys. They need some run stuffers. They were terrible against the run. So it makes sense for them to continue to add to that front seven and, and try to rebuild that unit. And so solid pick guy that has a lot of experience. I think he's of all their picks, probably going to see the field maybe the most. So it, it makes sense. there in the third round, but then going to their other third round pick, they went with Dorian O'Daniel outside linebacker for Clemson. And I'm torn on this player because I feel like he's a little bit of a specialist. He's more of that pass coverage linebacker, but he's not going to be that great that guy that you're hoping to start every single game to be on the field for three downs because he's small for the position. He's going to get run over in the run game, but it's something again that they needed with Derek Johnson gone to the Raiders. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah them starting their retirement home there. <laughs> they needed somebody that can step up and be a coverage guy for him. And so O'Daniel makes sense here in the third round. Wasn't shocked that he went here, but again, I don't see him being that three down starter. I just don't think he has the body type to really add the weight that's needed to, to consistently be on the field. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's, he's more of a, he's going to play that Sue Cravens role. I mean, it's the safety is the linebacker. He's a dimebacker. And historically the chiefs have used that guy on the field. a lot. I think they used a guy named Sorensen before. And I think O'Daniel's a, a step up there. So I like this pick. I was a big fan of O'Daniel before the Broncos got Cravens because they needed that kind of player out there. He's going to be a tight end neutralizer matchup against running backs. And he was really good for Clemson this year. He doesn't really have the size to play close line of scrimmage all the time, be a box guy, but you need those guys that can take away those running backs and tight ends in the passing game. So I like this pick a lot. He's not a typical linebacker, not a typical safety, but he's got a spot in the NFL going forward. All right, well, that leads us to their next defensive player that they took in Armani Watts of Texas A&M, a 5'11", 202-pound safety. And, again, this is a, a unit that they needed to add to with Eric Berry struggling with his injuries, with them losing a couple guys in free agency. That secondary just needed some help. And Watts is one of those guys that he, he was a four-year starty, starter for the Aggies. and. I think he's one of the more NFL-ready kind of guys. I think you can trust him to be on the field, even if he has to do it day one. And I think it speaks something to him that he was actually a four-year starter in college. So that means as a freshman, this kid was starting in, um, in, in the SEC of all the divisions. So I, I actually thought this was maybe one of their best picks, just because he's a solid player. He, like I said, he's, he's consistent. You know what you're getting out of this kind of player. Yeah. I've surprised Watts fell to the fourth round. He's kind of an inconsistent guy. His flashes out there, but not a great athlete and not a great tackler all the time. But I thought he was as good, good or better than Justin Evans who went second round last season to the bucks. So I think he's got a potential to be a good safety in the NFL, but at, at worst, a special teams contributor. And again, add in some talent to that back end, which the chiefs need. I mean, they, they went out and spent money on the offensive side this year, but they are addressing the defense here. And they've been literally every single one of their picks was defense besides ones, kind of a 
the gray area. We'll talk about that soon, but I like the Watts pick. I think it's a good one, especially for a back end of the fourth round. All right. Well, that leads us then. They have their two sixth round picks. They were one pick up apart from each other, 196 and 198. And they started with Tremont Smith, cornerback of Central Arkansas. Did you get much chance to watch this kid? Did not watch any of him. Did not watch any Central Arkansas this year. I did hear that they are very excited about him. He flashed in their rookie training camp, and it has looked solid in OTAs, but he's probably a guy you're not going to hear from much this season. But I, there's talk that he's doing well and been one of the better performers of the rookie class so far. So guy that I'm going to be watching out for this season. And then their final pick of the draft, they went with Reginald McKenzie, the son of the GM for the Raiders. I can't believe that one of the, the rivals, I guess I should believe it, but it just seems kind of weird that, that the son of, of Reggie McKenzie is now a chief. And uh, he's a defensive lineman for Tennessee. Big old boy. Again, just adding to that front seven. Uh, do you think this guy's more about having the name recognition or is it he actually deserves to be in the NFL? I don't think he deserves to be in the NFL, but that's because there talks about he's actually going to be switched to the offensive line, which is crazy. I'm not drafting a guy that not didn't test very well and going to play him at a different position. I mean, that's, that's an undraftable kind of guy to me. So crazy. I can't, I can't believe that he was drafted based on what I saw. And then even furthermore, they're going to switch him to the other side of the line. Yeah. Again, this is where talking about that new CBA where they get such limited reps. How can a guy make that kind of switch? I just can't see that. I don't know of anybody that I can sit and look at and say, oh, yeah, this worked really well for him in the last five years, seven years. It just it doesn't happen. It's not how – you can't just – I remember when Tim Tebow was with the Broncos and they brought in Peyton Manning and they were like, hey, we should keep Tim Tebow and make him a tight end or a fullback. It's just not that easy. It, it takes a little bit of time. It's, it's, there's a lot of nuances to the game that separate the average or the bad from the really good. So it was a pick I definitely didn't get, even with it being a six-rounder. I'm with you. I I don't think this guy should have been drafted. And I don't know, just looking over this entire draft, again, there's nobody that really stands out that makes me go, the Chiefs just got themselves looking really, really good. The Chiefs are, again, that team to beat. I I just – this wasn't that draft. Again, it, it really does come down to Mahomes, though. Like you said, if he pans out, then the rest of this draft is just icing on the cake. Yeah, absolutely. I can't disagree. But overall, I, and this is 100% not biased, which is something that I really try to do. I'm probably a bigger skeptic of the Broncos than some rival fans but I think the Broncos had the best draft of any of these teams. Granted, they're picking the earliest because they had the worst season, but overall, I think the Broncos had the best draft. And I don't think that is being biased. (laughs) I think most people out there really, even the national writers would agree with you that the Broncos really dominated this draft. They had some really good picks throughout. I mean, guys that you can sit there and see are going to be day one contributors, guys that could actually help them and, and be highly productive as rookies looking over the rest of these picks for other teams, I'm seeing Derwin James and then a lot of question marks, a lot of special teams kind of guys early on. I'm not seeing a lot of guys. I'm sitting here saying, all right, this guy's penciled in. He is a starter day one. So that, that works well for the Broncos, but uh, obviously it's still got to see it on the field. I can't see any of these guys. Maybe I'll say the Chargers had a top half of the NFL draft. But the Raiders and Chiefs, I would say, were both bottom 10 kind of drafts. Yeah. Yeah, I can't disagree. Broncos kill it, and hopefully that's not the the last time they end up on top of the division this season. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl Dummler MHH, and myself, at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' articles, not just relating to the draft and team building, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Carl, you got anything new coming out here soon? I saw you had that Deshaun Hamilton piece just come out. Oh, man, that was one of my favorites to write. 
I am finishing out my draft film reviews and finishing with Royce Freeman this week. Mm. So hopefully that'll be coming out here either tomorrow or Saturday is kind of my hope. So I've been watching a lot of Royce Freeman and man, I love his sophomore year. He looked explosive. So (laughs) I'm having a hard time with so many games, so many carries for him trying to decide where I want to go with it. That's my biggest problem. I have too many plays to try to break down and try to get a, a little snippet of what kind of player the Broncos are getting. But what, what are you working on? I got to get that jewel piece out, out here at some point, but I'm going to be continuing my strengths and weaknesses of the roster series that I've been working on with the first one being edge rushers. Last week, I kind of had a hair in the butt where I wanted to write about how the Bradley Chubb pick will be looked back on based on the success of Josh Allen and Josh Rosen. But I'll be back on the strengths of the Broncos roster piece sometime this week can't wait make sure you head on over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment your support can help us continue to bring you our denver bronco deep dives we aren't just here to bring you the news but in-depth analysis each week from team building game planning and 365 days of covering the denver broncos you can follow the huddle up podcast by subscribing to us on itunes and for android users stitcher as well as check us out on youtube you can follow us on twitter at malahi huddle and at huddle up pod Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile high huddle.